You'll know when you have a wild woman. She'll practice her craft without boundaries. She is truly autonomous. Her loyalty is only to the family she serves, a midwife who will not allow herself to be held back by a system she didn't create. This podcast is for the birth keepers who want to grow and change. We're open to learning through self-reflection and supportive community. We are creating this space to explore without judgment. We are remembering we were born wild. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Born Wild podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sophia. And today, Stasha is with me to share her birth story. And I'll just let you introduce yourself to listeners, and then we'll dive into your story. Awesome. Yeah, I'm Stasha. I am located locally here in Sebastopol, and I had my first um, baby at home with Sophia and Clover, and it was an amazing experience. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Where did, like, the journey to, like, from, like, motherhood, like, when did you know you want to be a mom, or just your knowledge around home birth, because it's not super common for a first time mom to choose home birth, that we are seeing it more and more. Um, So where did like that journey start for you? Yeah, I've always been around babies, I feel like since as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mom is one of six, and I was the oldest grandchild. So I feel like after me, just like babies kept coming. Um, and so I was always really familiar with like being around them and just like knew that I wanted to be a mom at some point in my life. I feel like early on, I just always had this feeling that I wanted to be a mom. Um, and if it was up to me, I probably would have had a baby at like 20, (laughs) but of course it like takes two. So, um, I ended up marrying my high school sweetheart, but we did date for like 14 years before getting married. Um, and so 14 years yeah I I think it was 14 years there was like a little gap there during college but it was about that um and yeah we got married in 2020 um and then after two years of marriage both felt ready to have a baby and I was actually in hindsight really happy with the timing because I was very excited to be a mom but I also wanted my husband to be just as excited and just as ready. And so by the time we actually got pregnant and had our baby Emmer, um, Ross was very ready. So it just felt the timing actually felt perfect. Um, so yeah. And I, I think, I think just being around kids, my whole life, it just seemed like a given, like there was no question in my mind. I feel like I talked to some friends or people, you know, in current day, and there's a lot of people who like question whether or not they want to be a mom or be a parent. And I don't feel like I ever had that like question mark in my head. So it was kind of an easy decision once my husband was also on board. Yeah. And when did you decide yes to home birth? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I had always heard that my grandma on my mom's side had a home birth. She did have six kids, but had a home birth with one. Um, And so I always intentionally. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It was with her fifth pregnancy. She had a home birth. 
she was planning on having as far as I know she was planning on having a home birth also with her sixth pregnancy um or no sorry she had twins in the last pregnancy (laughs) so it would have been her fourth pregnancy um that she had a home birth and then her fifth pregnancy was twins and so she was planning the home birth but then when she found out she was having twins um I don't think my grandpa was comfortable with the home birth and so they did end up having the twins in the hospital but I did just grow up always like hearing that story that you know my aunt was born upstairs on my grandma's bed um and then my sisters both have had home births prior to me um my twin sister had a home birth with her third baby which you were at (laughs) at. (laughs) I think she was born right before you guys got there Uh um and then my and I only live like 10 minutes from her so (laughs) I I think it wasn't for lack of trying (laughs) I know I think you guys tried your best but I think they waited a little bit to call you um but yeah it all worked out (laughs) and I'm sure everyone listening can hear this like twin pattern that you're talking of there's a lot of twins in your family (laughs) there are twins that does run in our our family my younger sister has four kids now and her last two were home birth and she was terrified I guess thought she was gonna have twins (laughs) for her last pregnancy because her last one was gonna make four kids and she was like is this gonna end up making five (laughs) but she ended up only having one um, and he's a month old now but yeah her last two pregnancies were home births and so yeah I had the example of them kind of before me um, taking on the whole idea idea of home birth and doing it successfully and I think that really helped me feel confident um that I could yeah normalize it and then I think too just like once you start getting connected in the space and you just like listen to stories or like even through social media start following like the right people Mm -hmm. (laughs) you start to realize that home birth does happen and like it's not um as uncommon or scary as it needs to be or like people make it out to be um and then I am a registered nurse so I think too like just being connected to some resources um through that like birthing centers and um you know other ways of having babies felt like it was um something that can happen um so yeah and so intentional pregnancy it was intentional. Yes. We decided we wanted to get pregnant after our two year um, anniversary. And then it took us about three months. So I cycled three, I think I cycled three times before I got pregnant, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't sound like a long time. And it's not a long time, but I think when you decide you are going to get pregnant, like it does feel like, oh, wait, this is taking a little bit longer than we thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got pregnant the first time we tried and just waiting two weeks was torture, you know, (laughs) to find (laughs) out. So like to find out no, and then wait and then try again and no and wait. And yeah, it's, yeah. Whether you do it for, you know, three months, three years, I mean, obviously there's a difference, but it's still, yeah, hard. Yeah, it does. Um, 
yeah, just teach you patience and it's like out of control, you know, you do your, you do what you need to do and then you just leave it up to fate. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you almost cool. feel a little bit like lied to in a way. Cause like growing up, you always hear like how scary it could be because you can get pregnant and have a baby. And then it's like, once you actually start trying, you're like, it doesn't just like happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It teaches you like all the things that birth and parenthood are teaching you, right. About the patience and lack of control and Yes, definitely. It starts. Yeah, it starts then. Yeah. Okay. So you're pregnant and automatically you're like home birth or does some time pass? Yeah, no, right away. I was like home birth. Mm-hmm. I think working, I hate to say this, but like after being an RN for eight years and like working in the hospital space, you just see a lot. Um, and you see a lot of, um, you just see what can you see that the hospital is there for a great reason but at the same time like it just doesn't really feel like a space that you would want to have a baby or be at for any reason if you don't have to and so I think knowing that home birth was an option just automatically made me feel like the hospital wasn't an option in my mind mm-hmm. um and this was the tail end of COVID if we can even say that if it does have a tail end but <laughs> for like you know what was that like? Cause you were still working and what was that environment like? Yeah. Just as far as like working in the hospital and then choosing to have a home birth. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. When I was still working, I got pregnant, was still working. Masking was a hundred percent a thing. They wouldn't let you into the building without a mask on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, you know, end up wearing a mask. Like I feel like most of my pregnancy, which I didn't enjoy to be honest um but yeah I think I just like loosely started sharing it with people at work and I think the a common response you get is just like why like why would you have a home birth and I would just say because I work in a hospital and like why do I want to be here if I'm not working (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah and then we and then you found out the universe harder in your whole life right than when you were in labor so you were working (laughs) yeah right (laughs) I know and visitors was actually another thing that I think I felt worried about um at the I think when I first got pregnant we weren't allowing visitors into the hospital or maybe they just started allowing visitors if you had the COVID vaccine Mm -hmm. um and I just didn't really want to have to deal with any of that um I think maybe your partner restrictions yeah they were like like, taking a picture of what it would look like yeah yeah and I was like I'm already gonna be under the stress of labor and having a child that I don't want to have to then be stressed about like can my husband come in with me is he gonna have to quickly go find like a COVID test maybe to get into the hospital and I just didn't want to deal with any of that so I think I mean that I think that was a small factor in my decision but Mm -hmm. uh and Ross was always on board with home birth or was there ever any like worries or fears or hesitations from him? Yeah, he was on board like from the beginning. He, I think knowing that my sisters had had home births and that he also used to work in hospitals. Um, he was a medical sales rep and he would be in operating rooms, um, kind of just like supporting the OR team with joint replacements. Um, and so he also for lack of a better word, was a little bit like jaded <laughs> um, when it came to the hospital. And so I think he um, automatically was just like, oh yeah, like 
if we can do a home birth and if you feel confident that you can do a home birth, then I feel confident that it's like the right choice for us to do it. It's so nice when, when you're both on the same page, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think him being in hospitals and having that experience did actually really help him um, feel confident. Um, Who knows how he would have felt if he hadn't had that experience, Mm -hmm. but I am really grateful that he was on the same page from like day one. I wasn't having to like convince him that it was like the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, Okay. Paint a picture of what your pregnancy looked like. How was the first trimester second, you know? Yeah. I think I contacted you when I was like five or six weeks pregnant. um, Cause I just knew that I wanted to have a home birth, but I wasn't really sure who I was going to have as my midwife. But since you had been at my sister's birth, I just thought you could be a good option. (laughs) And I think from our first conversation, I just like felt pretty confident that like we would work well together. Um, So I never went into an OB office, Mm -hmm. which I was happy about. I think at one point I was, I was like second guessing if I maybe should just to like get blood work done or like have an ultrasound or something and like just have my insurance cover part of it or something, you know, like just kind of have like dual care. But I think I realized that I, if I don't have to go into an office, I would, I would rather not, you know, again, masking was like a huge thing. Um, just going into like doctor's office buildings aren't, isn't always enjoyable. It's like fluorescent lights and like mm-hmm. a little bit like sterile feeling. <laughs> and I think I just decided like early on, I really wanted my pregnancy to be like low stress and just like, not like something was wrong. It was like, everything's fine. There's nothing wrong. It's like usually even going to the doctor, it's like you might have like a complaint or find out like bad news or, you know, they want to prescribe you something or do tests and it kind of can spiral into just like more than what you're wanting. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I realized that like going into an OB office might turn into that. And I just think it it was just not for me. Yeah. And some people don't realize that like we can give full care, you know, that there's not something there that we don't have the ability to provide, you know, if you want. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Once, Once I learned you could do blood work at my house, I could even get an ultrasound done at my house. I was like, okay, done. Like what (laughs) what else do I need? (laughs) Yeah. I remember too, um, uh, talking to my husband one night, I was like, I think I might be in love with them. Like, I really like them. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, there's a couple where you're just like, I think I want to be friends with them. Like, they're really cool. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I know. We felt similarly the same. I mean, we, yeah, from day one of you coming to our house, we were just like, this is just a very good relationship. Like, that's being built here. Yeah, like, it feels like <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And without a doubt, it's like, we would have our second baby with you. <laughs> although I have learned that like you know as a laboring mom you don't need a ton of support right um so that was also fun to like realize yeah like the difference between feeling like you needed it versus you want it you know like I I know that I could do this without and my preference is to have this kind of support you know it feels good and uh, versus feeling like there's no way you could have managed without Yeah. And I think too, with, you know, to, you know, let's be real. Like it was my first baby and like my first time going through the entire process. And even though I've felt pretty familiar with like pregnancy and childbirth, 
I had never experienced it for myself. And it is very different when you are the one going through it. Hmm. So I I think I had been to over a hundred births by the time I had my own. And there's a video of me right after I'd given birth. And I'm like, that was exactly what I thought it was going to be, except way harder. (laughs) You know, just like even witnessing it, you just can't put it into words. You know, you just have to experience it. (laughs) Yes. And I, I was part of my twin sister's second birth. She had a VBAC um, and it was so hard for me to watch her have be in labor and give birth to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I remember feeling like just like so much like empathy for her. Like, okay, because she didn't have an epidural. She did it all naturally. And I remember thinking like, this looks like really hard. But even then, I, like, didn't know. Yeah. Even (laughs) though it looks so hard, you can't imagine how hard. I know. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, my pregnancy was, um, I want to say, fairly straightforward, simple. I don't feel like I had any complications. And I felt, I felt good. I did have, like, a little bit of morning sickness that last a couple weeks. Um, But fortunately, it's an, you know beyond that it didn't um last and I did work my whole pregnancy um and I think I just like focused a lot on nutrition I was gonna ask like what were the things in your pregnancy that you were like really proud of that you did and like ways to take care of yourself or like things you wish you had done a little different yeah I think I have always been or not always I would say since like mid-20s I've been very into like nutrition Um, And just, like, how much food can really, like, change the game (laughs) in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. So um, I had bought the Lily Nichols book Mm -hmm. um, about just, like, food and pregnancy and postpartum and everything. And so I think that was a really helpful resource for me. Um, Although I feel like I was already eating somewhat the way she recommends. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like my morning sickness possibly was minimal because of like eating nutrient dense foods, but who knows? I could have horrible morning sickness with my second baby. I'm probably jinxing myself. <laughs> um, you not have said it out loud. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But um yeah, I think I did feel like I was fueling my body well throughout my whole pregnancy. I think on days I worked, I probably wasn't doing as good of a job <laughs> mm-hmm. just because I would have to go longer stretches without eating. Um, but on my days off, I think I was able to like hydrate better and eat better. I, I think you were even saying because of the mask, it made it even hard to like even just drink water, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They were, there was a little bit more like strict rules around like eating and drinking in certain spaces. And so that, yeah, it does make it difficult. I was also working in a procedure room, so you can't really eat or drink in a procedure room. So I would have to wait till I would have like an actual break um, to hydrate and eat so yeah the days I worked it was a little bit harder but I think I focused too on like when I could eat it's like making sure I was eating a nutrient dense like snack or meal versus just like an empty um an empty snack you know that didn't really have nutrients in it and I think that really helped like um just like hard-boiled eggs and like meat I craved so much animal products like I was actually really surprised I feel like my whole pregnancy, especially in the beginning, I just craved like eggs and meat and cheese and 
like kimchi that's not an animal product but I did crave <laughs> kimchi Does it uh, like fish oil in it maybe <laughs> oh maybe but yeah just like a lot of like I was surprised at how much I craved animal products uh, um even fish I crave so much fish I would eat sushi <laughs> um from our local favorite sushi spot I think after talking to you about it though like just like talking through like the reasons why there's some recommendation to like not eat sushi but like in other countries a lot of pregnant women do eat it and just making sure maybe that you're just like getting it from like a good source and anyways I did end up eating sushi because I was craving it a ton but yeah I think um that was really helpful and then sleep like I've always prioritized prioritized sleep even before pregnancy and so I think that's something that can help you get through that time is just like making sure you're getting enough quality sleep yeah honoring your rest your body's need for it yeah yeah I don't think I did a lot of exercise per se um I I wonder if that's something I could focus in on more but I was on my feet a lot at work and so I think maybe that was helpful just to like get steps in and like move my body yeah um, but on my days off, I like didn't really want to exercise or move my body. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't think I was like hard on myself about it, but I wonder if like in my second pregnancy, that's something that I would try to like focus in on more if I, if I could. Like intentional exercise. and Yeah. yeah I've always loved walking, but I think just, yeah, intentional exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, um, a good place to start, especially if you haven't been doing anything and are just pregnant is in that first trimester, how you talked about rest and like honoring that is like focusing more on like stretching and yoga and like more gentle things, because it is a time for like inward and, you know, resting. And, um, I know a lot of people crave like carbs or, you know, um, comfort foods in the first trimester, I think as a way, like they're safer in quotes foods, you know, cause they're like really processed and not yeah. a lot of risk of contamination. And maybe it's the body's way of like craving energy. Cause that's what carbs will do for you. And, um, and yeah. then when you get into the second trimester, it's like, now you have all this energy and you're feeling better theoretically and can do more like rigorous activities. And then sometimes it kind of weans off again when you get closer and closer where you start to go inward again and Mm -hmm. more rest yeah 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 Yeah, it's like this cycle that happens Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I think what I was really beat themselves up in the first trimester because their intention is like I'm gonna eat good and I'm gonna exercise and I'm gonna do all these things and then they feel a certain way and they're like I actually don't want to do any of that and then they feel bad and guilty and you know right yeah yeah that's very true I my sister actually had um pretty bad morning sickness with her third pregnancy um so it's you know it's like you every pregnancy is different and so I think I we can do what we can and we can like try our best but like it's all of a sudden out of our control (laughs) when you are in it so how was navigating like testing options for you and your pregnancy and like do you want certain tests and you know that popped up throughout the pregnancy yeah I 
I think I was open to doing a lot of the testing. Um, just well, I think working in healthcare and like just being around a lot of testing and like labs and whatnot, it's pretty like normalized in my mind. You were but, a lab nerd, we call it. Where we're like, we're like when we draw each other's blood, we're like, okay, yeah. let's get my results. I'm all excited to like analyze it. <laughs> yeah, it can be exciting. Like even just like you taking my vitals, like you would ask, like, do you want your vitals done today? And it's like. I probably didn't really need them done, but like, I was just curious to know like what my blood pressure was and everything. It's just like, it's fun. I think when you're in that space, um, as like a career, it's just fun to like, see where you fall in, in line with results. Yeah. And that's but, why we ask. Cause for some people it's like, Oh, it's fun to like do all that. And other people, it stresses them out. And they're like, no, that does not sound fun for me. <laughs> right. And then they'll have you like really high blood pressure. Cause they're just like stressed out while you're checking it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I realized that like it was okay to um, really think through which tests we wanted. And it, you were really helpful in that because there are so many tests you can get done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think realizing that like a lot of them aren't really necessary or like I think what I loved about you and what you taught us was like thinking through like what will this result do for us? And with this result, how is it going to change how we move forward? Um, I don't know if I'm like saying that exactly right, but <laughs> that makes sense. yeah. And so I think just like we would think through like, okay, if we do, you know, the genetic testing, um, for example, like what is that going to do for us? Like if we get a result that we weren't prepared for, then what is our action going to be? Um, and so that was throughout ev- the whole pregnancy, we would kind of use that mentality. And I think that was really helpful with deciding like what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. So that was helpful. And we, we did choose to, um, you know, bypass the genetic testing because we knew that it wasn't going to like change anything for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and then, um, as far as I did do like, just like basic blood work, which I, it was fun for me. <laughs> I did enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, bypass the like an early ultrasound we didn't end up doing doing the early ultrasound um but when we found out we could find out um the sex of the baby through a blood test that was what we did um and that was really helpful because I think a lot of the times something exciting exciting and about about an early ultrasound is finding out the sex of the baby um but knowing it could be done through a blood test I was like oh well then let's just do that (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And and it's a great option because some people would actually choose to do genetic screening because you can find out the sex, but not really interested in the results and potentially find, you know, unfortunate information or information that maybe was inaccurate, but would lead to like these, what decisions do you want to make kind of questions. Um, And so it's so great that there's an option for people who are like, that's the only re- only answer, you know, or like a, yeah. I wanted. Um, and so they don't have to like pretend they want the genetic screening. <laughs> yeah. I remember you talking about that. You were like, they might send us the genetic results and we could just not tell you, you know, or not look at them. But it's like, there's also that like ethical piece then that's in yeah. play, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was like so excited to know there was a company that was doing like just the sex of the baby. Yeah. And I think we did it as early as like 10 or 11 weeks or something. The genetic screening is 10 weeks and you can do, I don't remember what it was at the time of 
your pregnancy, but you can do it as early as six weeks now. It used to be seven weeks, so I'm not sure which one it was, but you can do it pretty early. Yeah, which is amazing. And we got the results quickly, I think. Yeah, just like the next day or two. Yeah. 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 And then you were the one to take the result to the bakery and the bakery made us a cake. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So but that was fun. fun curious about that I can put in the show notes it's called sneak peek is the test and you can do you can buy like an in-home kit um there's a little more room for error there like contamination um or there are providers we're one uh, but there's providers and there's like a search feature on the website of where you can find a provider in your area to do a blood draw yeah yeah it's it's great yeah yeah uh, and then we did the anatomy scan at 20 weeks mm-hmm. so I think other than that, we didn't really do anything. I I also checked my glucose at home, which was like with a glucometer for a few days. Um, I would do like upon awakening, mm-hmm. after breakfast, after lunch, after dinner. Mm-hmm. And after a few days when I saw my, you know, blood sugar was in an okay range, I kind of just stopped doing it. But I didn't do the standard um, like gestational diabetes test. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Is there anything else in the pregnancy you want to like touch base on or navigating any fears or just, you know, how labor began? Yeah. I think I want to share that. Um, I went to a chiropractor my whole pregnancy mm-hmm. and I think that was really helpful. Anytime I would feel like my back was starting to bother me or just like my hips or my pelvis mm-hmm. or my feet, <laughs> um, I would go to the chiropractor and I would feel so much better. And I was going a few times a week. It was close to work. So it was nice to just go when I would get off work. Um, and I have to, I, I really think that that made a huge difference for just like how comfortable I was during my pregnancy. Um, I know it's again, also just help with like sleep as well. Um, and there's a lot of benefits, but anyways, I did that and I would recommend it to any pregnant person. Um, Shout out your, um, chiropractor office. Yeah. Acorn. Acorn Acorn chiropractic we'll link them they're great I switched them when I got pregnant because you can go unlimited times Mm -hmm. if you are a member and I wanted to be able to go as often as I could yeah when talking with Jen that was one of the things that was important for her was making it accessible because a lot of times people only go when they have like a problem or like a big thing they're trying to fix and she wanted to be a part of people's like routine maintenance you know and like yeah. for the whole family not just whoever needed it the most yeah yeah it's amazing we all go now yeah Ross and my son Emmer mm-hmm. we all go so yeah and then um I think just listening to births like talking with you at each visit about birth stories and like positive birth stories you would always share with us and um even like some share videos of like someone actually having a baby (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was so helpful um especially for Ross I would say Mm -hmm. Um, because he had no clue like what was going to be happening um and I had somewhat of a clue but I think it was just yeah really helpful to just like hear other stories and like how things can be so similar but also very different like every birth can be different um so that was really helpful and then just like reading birth stories too I think you like recommended that but like Ina May's book Mm -hmm. uh, has like positive birth stories in it so I got her book and like would read through it because there is a there can be a lot of like negativity around 
childbirth and um, a lot of fear around it. So I think trying to like keep those thoughts like out of my head was really helpful. Yeah, because especially as a first time mom, you don't have the, oh, I've done it. I can do it again, you know, behind you. There's still this like question of like, oh my gosh, what is this going to be like? And can I do it? And, you know, um, yeah. but it's nice to hear first time moms sharing positive stories because a lot of times you have to get through when you're listening to birth stories, the traumatic first birth and then the redemptive second birth. And you're like, okay, wait, like, can we just have a re like a positive first birth, you know, and not have to like have a redemption birth. Yeah. Um, so I keep a, a list of positive first time mom birth stories because it's just kind of like a different category. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I remember you telling me that I should be prepared to be in labor for like at least two days mm -hmm. as a first time mom. Um, so yeah, I think just like there's a lot of like mental preparation that happens throughout your pregnancy and just trying to like stick to the positive sticks with stick with also like, like being realistic and then also um not yeah like not letting fear take over mm -hmm. um, and just being aware if that's happening I think in Ina May's book she like talks about even like women in birth and how if you let fear start to take over like your cervix can close <laughs> mm -hmm. um and I thought that was very interesting so I think yeah just very much sticking to like the positive mindset um was really helpful and I think having a lot of positive people around me was also helpful. People who like believed in me, believed it could happen and not, you know, put fear into like the universe. Yeah. Maybe not your work, but like family, you know, yeah. people they have like either it's work or it's family or it's like somebody is like throwing in, you know, the negativity. So at least it's nice to know that your, your family was probably all really supportive. Yes, they were. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's go into your birth. How did it begin for you? And what do you remember? From it? Yeah. How it's, far like so, it's so like vivid, but yet like kind of distant now, yeah. <laughs> which they say can happen. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, so I was, um, I think I was like 40 weeks and three days, Two. I think. Two days. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. 40 weeks and two days. Um, and I, it was 10 PM on a Friday night and we were going to bed and I had bloody show and I had always like heard, you know, everyone's like labors can start differently. Um, and I had no idea how mine was going to start, but yeah. So I was just, I, you know, noticed that, um and again I questioned like is this really labor mm -hmm. but it was bright it was like bright red blood um which I hadn't seen um I guess I don't know if I should backtrack but I, that reminds me that at 14 weeks I did have some bleeding mm -hmm. and I panicked because I thought maybe I was miscarrying and I called you and we like talked through it and everything ended up being fine, obviously, but that was, that was scary for me. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so, um, I had bloody show that night and, um, I texted you <laughs> and I remember I texted you and Clover and Ross was in our group text. And, um, I remember you just saying like, 
all right, everyone to bed, <laughs> like get sleep. Um, and so I remember thinking that was kind of funny. Cause I'm like, here I am like wondering if this is labor and then I'm so I'm supposed to now go to bed and like go to sleep. Like, how do I sleep now? Yeah. But we did. Um, and my mom was staying with us at the time because she was planning to be here for the birth and then helping like postpartum. Um, and so I also told my mom and so we all went to bed and around, I want to say like 11 or 12 PM, I felt like that first contraction and it was very mild. It just felt like a period, a period cramp. Um, and so I stayed in bed and I did, I think like get some sleep. I was kind of just like dozing in and out. And then around, I want to say like two, I think it was around like 2 AM, they got a little more intense. And so I got up out of bed and went to the couch. And in one of our visits, you kind of showed me this position on the couch that you said some women find helpful. And you kind of just like lean on the back of the couch and then you can like sway back and forth if you need. And then when the contraction's over, you kind of just like lay back down. So that's what I did basically from like 2 a.m. to probably like 5 or 6 a.m. Um, they I, The contractions felt very like manageable. Um, I would just like sit up on the couch, sway back and forth and then like lay back down. And at that point I was by myself. Um, Ross stayed in bed. My mom was like in the other room, although she knew I had like gotten up. So she like would check on me every now and then, but I was kind of just by myself most of the time. And then I think around like six or seven, they started to get a little more intense and I felt like they were getting closer together. Um, And so my mom recommended that I text you guys to let you know, but I was still not convinced that anything was really like happening. <laughs> I was like, these still feel like pretty comfortable. Like. I don't really know what this means, <clears throat> but I think as a first time mom, it's hard to know like where this is going. If you're going to still be laboring for like another two days or if it's going to happen quicker. If someone's like, is this mild or moderate? And you're like, well, I don't know what the end <laughs> feeling is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> At that point, I would say they started to get a little more moderate. Like I was starting to then have to make like more like noise maybe. Or I would have to like actually get up and like walk or like move with my contractions. So I would say at that point, they were like any more moderate. Mm -hmm. um, so I did notice that. But yeah, you guys got here, I think around like eight or something, like 8 a.m. maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I ended up transitioning into like our bedroom at that point. Well, and the water's um, opened. Yeah, shortly after you guys got here, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah right. I think it was before we got there you kind of like called to report it um but we got there shortly after okay and I think I remember being a little confused on whether or not they actually did but after we had talked about it I think I realized that like oh yeah no I think I think it did because it was it wasn't like a gushing mm -hmm. it was like more like a leak <laughs> yeah it yeah. felt more like a leak um and so that happened kind of early I guess like earlier in my labor. Um, but I do remember my contractions starting to just get more intense, like after you guys got here, but I didn't even know what they were going to get up to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I labored all day. Um, and then I ended up having him that, like at midnight, basically that night. So 
my labor was what, like 26 hours? Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, at one point remember being able to just like have conversation in between contractions and like feeling like everything was kind of like, okay, to not feeling like I really was getting to like rest much. Um, or I was in, I felt like I was, I did in hindsight, I almost feel like I realized when I was going more internal, like I wasn't really like talking much to people, um, as much as I had been. Um, but I don't know when in the day that happened. I feel like the day was a little bit of a blur for me. (laughs) Um, and then let's see, I do remember having a lot of back pain. I think, I, I don't know if he was posterior and then he ended up, I don't, I don't remember exactly like why I was having back pain because um, I just know that having pressure put on my back was really helpful. Yeah. Having and... back pain is pretty common in labor. Usually um, like the difference would be like, if you know, um, you're having cramping sensations in the front wraps around and you have pain in your back versus like stereotypically true posterior it usually women report it feeling like some horrible thing like a knife stabbing in their back and that's the only sensation they feel or like okay on on fire in their back or you know something like that yeah Um, versus I was feeling it in the front yeah I was feeling it in the front and the back yeah yeah but that back support feels so good regardless yeah it did yeah we had a tennis ball and um I remember you guys and Ross were like rotating through just like putting back pressure with the tennis ball. And that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> on the toilet, like kind of facing backwards. Um, one of my memories was, I don't know, anytime you're like, do you guys have any suggestions? We're like, you don't want it because you're going to have you go back to the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, the toilet. But You know, I didn't love the toilet, but I remember at one point you used um, a stool that we had and I was on the toilet and then I would rotate which leg was up on the stool. And I, that probably did really help because I feel like things started changing after that. We also weren't doing cervical checks. So I didn't really know how far along I was. And I remember at one point asking you, like, how am I supposed to know when to start pushing? Because I had heard that you'll just know or you might like have this urge to push. But I think I had already been laboring for like hours at that point and I didn't have that urge yet. And I kept wondering, like, when am I going to know to start pushing? And you then asked me um, if I wanted to feel for his head if I could feel for his head. And so I, I did, I just like used my own fingers to like feel his head. And I, I thought I could feel it. And then you said, okay, well with this next contraction, you can always try to start pushing and see, just see how it feels. Like, does it feel good? Does it feel like relieving or like, you know, what does it feel like? And so I did. And, um, that was kind of when the pushing started and this is how I remember it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I remember it. (laughs) And so I felt like pushing actually did start to feel good. And so at that point I did start pushing Mm -hmm. and I think I pushed for a few hours. Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought that was, it was just, it was really cool and empowering to just feel like, okay, I'm deciding this right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I'm deciding I can start pushing now and we don't necessarily like have to do a check to know if I'm going to start pushing. 
Um, and it worked out. I mean, it started to feel better. It was obviously like very, it was, it was hard. It was, I think that's when the labor got the most physically intense for me. I was like having to use like every like strength I had to like push. Um, but it did feel when like the body does doesn't just kick in and and I don't know the why like part of me wonders about like position or if the baby just isn't low enough but I know some women who will report like say for example they have four pregnancies they're like two of the four I never experienced the fetal ejection reflex or like my body didn't push I like intentionally chose to push you know or their midwife told them they were fully dilated so they chose to push um I mean, we've even waited, like we knew somebody was fully dilated and, you know, 12 hours later, cause she wanted to wait for the urge. She was like, okay, let's do something different. And then, you know, she pushed and had her baby yeah. um, because we were like, maybe if we just wait long enough, you know, it'll kick in. And um, so, yeah, I don't know why sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but yeah, there is this extra like effort. It feels like when you're the you feel like you're the one doing it, you know, versus your yeah. body. Um, right. That. Yeah. That is so interesting. I do want Especially wonder. with the first baby where you don't already have like, oh, I remember what that sensation felt like last time, you know, and like knowing where to push. But um, so there is this like learning curve too of like positions and like where and what am I doing? Um, but yeah, yeah, in terms of like checking yourself, if that doesn't kick in, you, you know, if you feel your baby's head, you're probably completely dilated. And there is a difference between feeling your baby's head behind your vaginal tissue versus like touching your baby's head, you know, those right. different things. Um, yeah. And then when you trial pushing, we usually ask like, does it pinch at all? You know, that's usually the sensation you get if you're not fully dilated. It pinches or it doesn't feel productive or it just doesn't feel right mm -hmm. versus like, I can feel my baby moving down. This feels actually better than not pushing. Um, yeah. So, so if anyone is experiencing like not having the urge those, and doesn't want fingers other than theirs inside them, those are some things you can try. Yeah, I found that really helpful. And then I think as I started to push, I had to figure out what positions like felt best. <laughs> I think we tried out like a few different ones. Like I started by just like, I think leaning on the side of the bed. I ended up just laying down. I, I feel like by the end, I was so exhausted mm -hmm. that I ended up just um, laying down for a lot of the pushing. And I was kind of in like a sideline position. Mm -hmm. And then um, someone was like supporting my leg and kind of like, I would use someone's hand as like counter pressure. So that as I was pushing, I felt like I had like, like support. on the bottom of your foot. Yeah. And I remember that seemed to really help. <laughs> um, and then I think when I actually pushed him out though, I was like squatting on the bed. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did, yeah, I remember just feeling like I had to figure out which positions like felt better to push. And, um, after a while I would have to like switch it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it just felt so there was a pause between like his head being born and his body. Um, and I think I remember at one point, I think we had waited and like a contraction passed and he didn't come. And I think you had asked, uh, you know, a question about that. And I had kind of suggested like, Oh, if you want, you can put like a foot up. Cause I think you were on hands and knees. Um, and his head came out. You're right. Yeah, his head came out. And then I think you maybe like, 
did like a running lunge kind of thing and that helped like open your pelvis and yeah yeah that's right I didn't realize it at the time but looking at the video back his head was out for a long time (laughs) before he came out and it is pretty amazing that they can just like be chilling there with their head out yeah you don't have to like worry about them because they're still hooked up to like their source of oxygen through the cord yeah we get that question a lot you were on the bed but when babies are born into water and there's like this pause or or even when they're fully born that it doesn't have to be this like rush or this feeling like the baby's gonna drown you know are they okay under there because they've been in water their whole life you know they're nothing has changed other than we can see them you know and it makes us uncomfortable because normally we don't just like have babies in like water you know you don't we wouldn't put a baby in water right (laughs) but like in those moments the placenta is still functioning the cord is still pumping blood and oxygen nothing has changed Mm -hmm. from their last nine months in the womb to now other than we can visualize them so as long as you know there aren't other red flags there you don't have to rush the process yeah and it says here between head and body was about four minutes okay yeah which doesn't sound like a long time but when you're in it waiting it's a long time yeah yeah well and I don't know how I would have got him out any sooner because I was waiting for like that next big urge to happen to be able to push him out so if you were if any provider you were like okay like his head's out we need to get him out like come on come on I don't even know how I would have. <laughs> you would have. You would have found the strength. But... <laughs> because I remember having to take a moment of just like rest. And like, yeah. I was like, wait, it was almost like I was waiting for another big urge to come to be able to like actually push him out. So, yeah. And then I, I guess I should mention that we did have a birthing tub, but it didn't feel good to me. Um, we did try it. And I felt like I couldn't move enough to get through my contractions um so I was surprised by that I really thought that I was gonna like the water and like the tub but I think we tried it a couple times and I just like felt like it wasn't it didn't provide any relief for me and I felt like it almost made it worse because I couldn't move around as much as I needed to yeah and we did skip over the fact that we all discovered that you're an amazing opera singer (laughs) (laughs) which I was like didn't realize I was putting on a performance yeah (laughs) and I'm very surprised by that because I am known to be a little bit more of like a quiet you know quieter person um also just like a quieter voice and so it's funny to hear that I was able to get like so loud yeah Roz is like I didn't know she could hit those notes (laughs) (laughs) oh man yeah yeah and then your baby came Yeah. And I think I remember being in a little bit of just like, well, relief for sure, but also shock. (laughs) Um, It was, I'm not a night owl by any means. So it was like way past my bedtime. (laughs) (laughs) I was just exhausted. And I remember him coming out and just being like, okay, now what, what do we do? (laughs) Like, I just want to go to bed. (laughs) Like, that would have been hilarious if that was your like first thing you said after your baby is born. It is way past my bedtime. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember saying like, okay, now what? 
like what do we do now because I was like so relieved that he was in my arms but then also just like very exhausted and I think too just love him just love him yeah (laughs) I think too working in the medical world like I hate to say this but it almost was just like okay we did it we got through the like you know the thing like the procedure or like the event or like whatever and it's like now we need to just like do what's next you know um and so I think I you were doing what's next because the most important thing right then is to keep your oxytocin level up because if we keep that up then you don't need to be doing all this artificial oxytocin stuff with pitocin and you know the goal is to keep you as undisturbed and as blissed out and like checking out your baby and loving on your baby so that we can keep your natural oxytocin level high so like the doing nothing and just letting you love on your baby and be with your guy and like cuddling in bed, like that is like actively protecting you from hemorrhaging and bonding. And so it's like a passive active thing that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And that is amazing that there's that like built in, um, kind of process that happens. I mean, they like, our most important job is not to cause a mess that we then have to fix, you know, Mm -hmm. like we don't want to be messing with you guys and separation or anything like that. If we don't have to, because then we could, you know, cause an issue that we then have to like come in and fix. And yeah. 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 And ultimately I was so grateful for like the undisrupted time. Um, because I can't imagine, yeah, I can't imagine someone just being like right up in your business, like after that, or like taking your baby or trying to like do something to you. Um, yeah. And I don't know, um, there's still this question on who touched Emmer first, <laughs> because he was born onto the bed. And then Ross and I, I think in the video, you see Ross and I almost going to grab him like at the same time. And so I think it was almost like a tie. Like I like grabbed onto him. And- that if you reached inside <laughs> yourself and touched his head with your finger, you were the first. To touch. That is true. We haven't talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really sweet to have us both like kind of go and pick him up and bring him to me uh-huh. like, up to my chest at the same time. Yeah, I have to say that way. <laughs> That felt just like a really sweet moment. Um, yeah. And then you guys were there to just like do the newborn screening or the check after we had some time. Um, and then I think you guys left around like three in the morning. I don't know exactly what time you left, but sounds about right. <laughs> we passed our bedtimes too. <laughs> Well, I do remember also thinking that, like, wow, they're still here. Like, they need to go to bed. Like, they need to go home and rest. They must be exhausted. What do you remember from your placenta? I remember um, feeling a lot of pressure, um, kind of, like, at the base of my pelvis. But I was, like, so I, I, I think I asked or somehow it came up, like, oh, my placenta detached. Um, but then I needed to like push it out. Mm-hmm. But I think um, there was some help there. I think you helped me kind of get it. Like I was pushing and you were kind of like pulling it, pulling like the cord at the same time. The cord. Yeah. yeah. To like get it out. Cause I think when, with me just like pushing, it wasn't like coming out fully on its own. 
Yeah, we usually give the option of like using gravity, you know, to help the placenta come um, or like, you know, pulling, like giving traction on the cord. Yeah, and I thought it was helpful to give traction on the cord. And I remember it coming up, you know, well, what if it's not detached? And I remember it was like, well, since you were feeling so much pressure mm-hmm. at the at the bottom of your pelvis, that's like an, an indication that it's like it's detached. Yeah, usually like the three things we're looking for is usually there's some sort of like separation gush of blood that we see. Um, usually the cord is flat and limp and white. Um, and then usually you start to have some sort of cramping. So we tend to say like, if you're feeling those three things, it's probably ready, you know? And sometimes women are surprised by how much effort it takes to, to birth the placenta, you know, cause it's going from your uterus into your vagina. And so there's this like funneling that it does. And so it kind of collapses on itself and there is like a little resistance, you know, that there can be so sometimes yeah getting into a squat position or kneeling or hands and knees and like giving traction on the cord um can be a great way um to deliver but sometimes yeah women are just like I'm so exhausted just like can you help you know yeah cuddle my baby (laughs) yeah and then I did um get it encapsulated Mm -hmm. and I did um take yeah take those capsules postpartum which I enjoyed (laughs) so yeah and then what was postpartum like for you and breastfeeding um yeah that's a good question I think I was in a little bit of like shock the first like week or so um just like a lot of emotion (laughs) um also just like a lot of exhaustion Mm -hmm. Um, but I did really try to just like lay low and stay in bed and rest as much as possible, which I think I did do a fairly good job at. My mom was staying with us postpartum. I think she was here for like two weeks in total, like postpartum. And, um, she was really helpful with like getting me food in bed, setting up like sits baths, taking Ember if like we needed an extra hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember being really surprised by how exhausted I was. I think it took me like two or three weeks to actually feel like I was getting my energy back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was getting acupuncture done also throughout my pregnancy and my acupuncturist came and did like a home visit postpartum. And so that was really helpful. And then she did recommend some like herbs, um, to like, just like help with like building blood and like getting energy back. I forget what they were called. But I think that was really helpful. And then I also started taking um, beef liver capsules, which I hadn't done during my pregnancy. And so I was kind of using like both those things to try to just like help like build blood and like get my energy back. Um, But I was surprised at like just (laughs) the pure exhaustion that I felt. Um, If I would try to get up out of bed, I felt like I would could only be up for like a minute or two without feeling like I just had to lay back down. So that was surprising. Yeah, a lot of women tend to be like surprised by, you know, after a week or so that they thought they would feel more healed or, you know, something like that. Like it just takes time, you know. And Yeah. Honoring yeah I think that. having some like education around like the positive impact of staying in bed and yeah. um, healing as much as possible before we really try to like get back to our lives. I did um, try to focus on that. And so 
one, my body wasn't even really allowing me to get out, get up out of bed. And then two, mentally, I was trying to like stay in bed as much as possible. Cause I knew it was going to be helpful for my healing. Yeah. Did you do any prep for postpartum? I mean, it sounds like you had your mom there, so you had good support. Um, but was like, you know, nutrition, a big piece of that. And was there anything different postpartum or yeah. How was breastfeeding? Were there any hiccups along the way? Yeah. Um, as far as prep, we did just like prep some food. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that was something that I wanted to do. So we made like a huge batch of like lentil soup and then we like froze it in Mason jars. Um, and a few other things that I'm like, blanking on I think I did like a huge like bulk order of meat <laughs> I think I remember you like made some comment about like why do they have so much bacon in their freezer <laughs> <laughs> they are really stocked up on bacon <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah just being like prepared in the food category was like an ideal for me and then we did have some family bring some meals to us like in the first like few days postpartum which was really helpful uh, my brother-in-law is a really good cook and so like that first like day or two he was like bringing us some meals which were delicious so that was really nice and let's see oh breastfeeding um I want to say it like went well I I can't I I think there was like points in time when I felt like is he getting enough milk is he satisfied he seems fussy I keep like latching him is he like okay but all in all like I never really had like a super painful latch he did like end up growing okay. <laughs> um, so I think every he was having like wet diapers and poopy diapers. So I think the little bit of stress I had with it was almost like man-made um, in a way. Because you do hear that like a lot of people struggle with breast with breastfeeding or they have a hard time or they don't like it or that it's really painful. And I didn't really have any of that. I do. I think I had like some soreness, but not pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's still nursing. He's 13 months now. Um, and yeah, I want to say that we've had a pretty like successful breastfeeding journey. So that's been nice. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to relive it all. Yeah. Thanks for allowing me to share. Yeah. Yeah. We just had his first birthday. That was fun. Yeah. To see him in person. I know. I'm so glad you were there. And you know, his favorite toy has been what Sophie picked out for him. Oh, Gracie. Gracie. (laughs) Gracie. Um, The eggs. I don't know if you remember. Uh I do. Yeah. Yeah, He loves to play with the eggs. (laughs) She knew. Yeah. Yeah. She must've known, but yeah, I'm glad you guys were there to celebrate his birthday. Well, if there's anyone listening who wants to like reach out to you in any way, is there a good contact? Yeah, I am on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So it's just my name, Stasha Bostock. Um, we'll put that in the show notes. Too. And then my email would be fine as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. Is there anything yeah. else you wanted to end with or any advice maybe for a first-time mom who's like you know should I just have the first at you know a hospital or maybe even a birth center you know just because it's my first there's a lot of like that sometimes just because it's my first maybe I should just do this either at one of those places first I think I would say 
that staying in like a positive mindset is very helpful. So the, you know, as much as possible, just like listening to positive birth stories, telling yourself you can do it over and over and over again, um, is really helpful. And then I have to say, like, even in the midst of my labor pains and like feeling like it was really difficult and hard, it, it, you know, to go through childbirth, like there was never a doubt in my mind that I was in the right place. I actually remember thinking like, I am so glad I'm not at the hospital right now <laughs> because through the difficulty of birth, I was in the comfort of my own home. I had my husband with me, my birth team with me that I had like built up trust with. I knew who was going to be there. Um, and I think that I wouldn't have ever wanted to do that in a hospital. <laughs> um, so I think that's just like a, a pro of being at home is like, it's, it's, you know, a little bit more of what to expect. Um, you know, who's going to be there with you, you know, your home, you know, your bed, you know, your bathroom, you know, your toilet, all of that. Um, and then also just like, I'm very grateful that my sisters did it before me Um, and even my grandma. You know, I think I remember you posting a quote about how women who decide to like kind of like live in their, you know, in their power, like do something before other women is um, almost like a, it's almost like a pass that like other women can do it too. I forget exactly what the quote was, but I remember reading that and thinking like how that's so true. Like, I'm just so grateful that there's been women who before me have chosen to do home births, even if it was their first baby, because it allowed me to believe in myself and believe that like it is possible and you can do it. Yeah. You're like just paving being- the way for the rest of your family to know that that's an option too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah Um, see you and thank you for sharing yeah of course great to see you as well and hopefully we'll see you soon okay everyone that's it for today thank you for listening to the born wild podcast if you enjoy our podcast please rate, review, and subscribe every week to get the latest one. And please follow us on Instagram at Born Wild Podcast, as well as Facebook. You can also write to us at info at bornwildmidwifery.com, as well as our website, bornwildmidwifery.com. And remember, stay wild! wild.